Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, worshiping with us online, and good morning to the, uh, the couple of us in the room together as we worship in this uh, age of coronavirus. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have used for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Thank you. We do believe that the Lord is with us uh, no matter where we are. And so right now, wherever you happen to be participating with us online, we believe that the Lord is with you right there where you are. He meets us where we really are. Are. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your compassion, for your grace, for your faithful love that you show to us. God, we are uh, <laughs> we're reminded today of uh, how grateful we are for your, or I'm reminded, how grateful I am for your patience with us, for your patience with me, for those times when I get frustrated, for those times when I fail. God, I am thankful that you are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. God, thank you for these hymns of Christmas and Advent uh, that lead us in anticipation of the coming of our King, King Jesus. God, I love the theme that's been given to us for this, this Advent. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. God, we want to prepare our hearts today for you to come, not just as a uh, baby on a, on a Christmas card or in a nativity scene, but we want, we want to prepare our hearts for our king's arrival, the one who wants to lead us, the one who wants to guide us, the one who, frankly, uh, knows more than we do about this life we've been given and how to live it and has the right to tell us what to do. God, you know we don't like being told what to do. You know we value our independence. We value our, um, our uh, well, self-righteousness is what it boils down to, God. Please, would you help us to humble ourselves before you today, to acknowledge our need of a king to lead us, to, to shape our hearts, to lead us out of... Uh, an ugly situation that we find ourselves in, to lead us through a dark valley, to, to lead us to a different way of living that, that is in sharp contrast with the life that we are tempted to lead, the, the life we're tempted to live that, that we see all around us. Today, God, would you help us to be a people of hope, a people of peace, a people of joy, a people of love. Thank you, God for sending our Savior. Thank you for sending life and light into our darkness and death. Help us, God, to be open to you today and all season long. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Peace to all of you out there, and thank you to the High Saws and Amanda for leading us this morning. Um, this, is, uh, this is that situation we find ourselves in right now that none of us love, but we're, we're right in the middle of, and we can't get away from it. And, and uh, so thank you for, for making the best of it along with us, and, uh, and tuning in, uh, logging on. I don't know what the right word is to use when you're clicking on, on, on the link on your phone or your tablet or your computer, or some of you put us up on the TV. Uh, we try to do our best to make it uh, the kind of thing that you can connect with us no matter what, uh, no matter which, which way you want to do that. Uh, so thank you for connecting with us. We would love to connect with you. We would love to know what's going on in your life and the needs that you have. And so if, uh, if you could 
click on that link or type that in. I know we're going to have it on the screen there. Yeah, livinghope.info slash connect. I've got to grab my stuff here and, and take it up front. Um, and they decorated the church for Advent, and I just realized I don't have a good path to the state. I'm just going to have to go off camera for a second and find a way up there. Uh, <laughs> found it. All right, good. Um, you can go to, uh, you can click that link, livinghope.info slash connect, and you can tell us what's going on in your life, how we can uh, pray for you, uh, what kinds of things you need from your church family these days, and we would love to do that. We would love to pray for you. We would love to, to join with you in those things. Uh, you can also continue to give if you would like. Uh, there's a link there, livinghope.info slash give. Uh, I wish I could make that. You could just click on your screen or tap it, but I don't know how to do that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, you can go there. You can give online. And uh, Thank you again to all of you who helped us to reach our goal and way surpass our goal for the Habitat build. Uh, thank you to those of you. I saw some of you just gave this past week to our sister church, the Mission Church in Hammond. Uh, when you go to that link, you can select that from the drop down. Uh, this is a sister church of ours who uh, the pastor there, Pastor Robbie Kanzler, actually helped put together some of the resources that I've been using this morning uh, that go along with the Advent devotional book that, uh, that most of you have received this last week. Um, in fact, can we put that up on the screen? Yeah. Right now, um, this Advent season, it starts today and uh, takes us all the way up through Christmas, uh, we did our best to get a devotional book and some Advent candles to each of you who are regular attenders here. And if you did not get that for some reason, please let us know as soon as you can. Uh, put it in a comment, hit that connect link, and uh, send us an email. Send me a text if you've got my number. Um, let me know, like, oh, hey, I didn't get that. Somehow I was left off that list. Maybe we didn't have your address. I know that was the case for some people. I just made a delivery this morning uh, before church to someone that we just didn't have their address, and I got it uh, too late to get it there for you before Thanksgiving, but in time for this morning. So uh, if you're missing that, that devotional guide, uh, we would love to get one to you. And if, uh, if you, we only were able to do one per family, if, uh, if more of you in the family want to have copies of that, it's called Let Earth Receive Her King, an Advent devotional. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, you can order it uh, right there. They'll have it to you in a couple of days probably. So uh, if you want another copy of that, uh, you can grab it that way too. Uh, today, as we are... Uh, Making our way. Oh, and, and candle thing. Uh, we, we gave some tiny little, tiny little candles to you too, uh, so that uh, you can be connected with what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. Uh, this morning we're lighting the candles as a response to the message. I'm not sure if we'll do it earlier in the service next week, uh, but um, but we wanted you to give, have a chance to uh, to feel like you're with us in this way. So. If uh, when we light the candles later, if you want to light your the first of your Advent candles, you can. The problem is they're tiny little candles, and you can't burn them very long. Uh, so anyway, we want to we want to help you feel um, the love that we feel for you. Uh, we want to help. I want to help you feel the the love and the gratitude that I feel in my heart toward you as a member of our church, as someone who's a part of our our Living Hope family. Um, even though I can't uh, give you a big hug here on Sunday morning, I want to make sure that you know that you are still a part of us, and we still love you and, uh, and are thinking of you and praying for you. So please let us know. If there are specific ways we can be praying for you, please let us know that. And uh, anything we can do to help you during this time, we want to do that. All right. Uh, I'm very glad that the, first, the theme of the first week of Advent is the theme of hope, because that is, uh, that is something that we all need right now. Um, I don't think uh, any of us earlier this year, when we first went through one of these uh, um, you know, church shutting down and, and all of us going online and that kind of thing, I don't think, I don't know if any of us at that time anticipated that we would still be doing this come Advent and Christmas. Maybe there were some out there that thought, ah, this isn't going to end for a long time. I didn't think that. 
All right, I, had, I was more optimistic than that, perhaps, more hopeful. I'm not sure what the right word is. But now that we've had this resurgence of the coronavirus and now that there are new restrictions being placed all across our country, all around the world, uh, I know many of us uh, are feeling a lack of hope. We're feeling more hopeless these days. Uh, now, I know there's good news on the horizon. There, there are news of vaccines, and there's hope that in the new year, uh, that as these things get rolled out, that things might return to something more like normal. I know some of you uh, have told me, you know, you love being able to get outside. You love being able to get together with other people. And uh, the idea of having to distance yourself from others has just been devastating for you. And uh, the inability to go out and be with people. For some of you, coming here on Sunday morning is one of those places where you actually get to see friendly faces. You get to interact with people who care about you. And, and for that to be taken away is, is painful. And uh, uh, the reading that we're going to do this morning from Scripture, uh, it's, uh, it's from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And it's speaking to a time where the people of Israel were definitely feeling hopeless. Uh, as I was reading and preparing for this morning, man, I felt like this is good for us today. All right, this is stuff that we need to hear. Uh, what they went through is, has parallels to what we're going through. And I know for some of you, the hopelessness you feel right now doesn't have so much to do with coronavirus. It has to do with other circumstances. It has to do with other things going on in your life. Maybe it's a financial thing that maybe is connected in some way to, to the health crisis. Maybe it's something to do with politics. Maybe it has something to do with relationships. And this past year has just been a bad one for that. Or just these past few weeks. And you're headed into Advent and Christmas, and maybe this is always a difficult time for you. We've got several folks in our church where this time of year, uh, with less sunlight and then moving toward holidays and people who aren't there, it's just, it's hard. All right, so I want you to hear what uh, the prophet Isaiah said to the people of Israel. And he's, he's giving voice to, uh, to what the people of Israel, what their cry of their heart was during this time. All right? Um, let me read it to you. And then I'll explain some of the setting, all right? So this is from Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to read the first nine verses. They say, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is God's word to us today. From the prophet Isaiah, uh, as the people of Israel are in a circumstance where things are not good, they are feeling hopeless. Um, 
the setting of this, if you've read Isaiah, if you've read anything about this time in Israel's history, this is uh, them coming back from the exile, all right? So they had, they had been a nation there in Israel. They had, they had, had uh, King David and King Solomon. They had been at the height of their powers. And then if you've read the Old Testament, you know they had rocky road. They, they, had, uh, they never did everything quite right, all right? They had all kinds of ups and downs. They had a civil war. The nation was divided. Eventually, uh, the northern part of the nation is, is conquered by the Assyrians, hauled off into exile. The southern uh, half of the country lasts a little bit longer before they are conquered by the Babylonians, and people are hauled off to exile in a land far away. And it's during that time of exile that many of the prophets that we have in our Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, that they are doing their writing. And Isaiah, he, he talks to that earlier group, and then in the later chapters, is, uh, is speaking to the group that has returned from exile, some 50 years later. They had spent a uh, generation, at least, there in Babylon, and parents and grandparents had been singing to their kids and grandkids songs of how good it was back in Israel, back in Jerusalem. And so now these kids and these grandkids, they've, they've grown up knowing nothing but exile, knowing nothing but living far from home. And uh, the Persians end up conquering the Babylonians, and King Cyrus of Persia says, oh, yeah, you guys can all go home. And uh, that's where we get the, the story of Nehemiah and Ezra there in the Old Testament as the people return and they rebuild. But they have to rebuild because when they show up on the scene, it's just... Everything is broken. It's desolate. I mean, it is not at all like the songs that they had heard sung uh, as they grew up. And these, are, these are people, many of them didn't, had never lived there in Jerusalem. Their parents had lived there. Their grandparents had lived there. And now they are, are eager to return to the ancestral homeland, and it has been destroyed. And they're looking at a, a rebuilding project way beyond anything they had anticipated or could imagine being able to pull off. They are wondering, God, are you even here are you present in this situation? I mean, you've gotten us home, but for what? I mean, to live in, in this? It just doesn't seem right. It seems hopeless. I think we can relate to the situation that the Israelites found themselves in. I mean, they were in a hopeless situation, and some of you find yourselves in there too. Um, they're, they're eager. This, their situation then leads them to lament. I think, do we have that up on the screen? Some, I just want to, there's, there's some moves that are made in the course of this, this passage from Isaiah that I want us to think about. So their situation moves them to lament. It moves them to cry out to God in their grief, in their pain. This is what they're eager for God to show up and to intervene. They feel like they've been abandoned by God, and they want to know why would God leave us like this. They're asking him to, to draw near, to, to tear open the heavens and come down, to show up. And when God shows up, mountains tremble. And he uses this imagery of like fire that sets twigs ablaze, causes water to boil. And it's, it's like this, uh, I have this image like there's the fire. And uh, have you ever done this with a campfire where you kind of play with it? You know, like you've got something and you get close uh, well, you know, you're roasting marshmallows or something. You know, you don't actually have to be in the fire before it catches fire, right? You're kind of like, I'm close enough. It's clearly cooking and, oh, no, it's on fire. And you're trying to blow it out. And, you know, for some of you, that's the idea. And you're trying to get that. You like that charred taste. For others of us, we're happy to let you eat the burned ones and we'll eat the, the better ones. But um, anyway, I have that image in my head. It's like God shows up like this consuming fire and like creation is impacted. Like, these twigs get too close to the fire, and they, they burst into flame. You know, the water gets close enough to the fire, and it starts to boil. God, if you show up, your name will be known to your enemies. The nations will quake before you. The enemies that have done this to us, that have, that have made our land desolate, they will know once again who you are. 
and you will be respected. You will be revered. You will be known. They, they, they cry out to God because they have this memory, this, this uh, communal memory of what God has done in the past. So they said in verse 4, since ancient times no one has heard or, or no ears perceived or eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him, who, who hope in you, God. You act in response to your people's cries for help. And so they are crying for help. They know that God has intervened in the past. They've heard their entire lives the miraculous stories about Abraham and about Moses and about how God set them free from slavery and established them as a nation. And uh, they, they know the stories. Now they're eager to see this happen in their life, for God to show up where they live. I think this is true for many of us. Some of you, perhaps, are on the younger end of life, and you have heard the stories your parents have told. You've heard about how God is faithful. You've heard about how God is good, and you're, you're hoping that these stories are true. Maybe you've only, maybe you're not so young, but you've heard these stories, and now you're, you're young in this uh, relationship with God. This trusting God thing is fairly new to you. And you're hoping that some of the stories that your friends have told you about God being with you in difficult times, you're hoping now that these stories might be true. We've, we've talked earlier this year several times about lament, uh, the whole book in the Bible, Lamentations. It's an, an appropriate response to hopeless situations. Is to Instead of just giving up and throwing in the towel and saying, well, I guess this whole God thing isn't real, I'm just giving up and I'm leaving. Instead of doing that, a lament is a turning toward God and saying, God, this isn't right. How could you let this happen? It's, it's crying out to God, using, you know, being honest about our situation, about our emotions, about what we're thinking, about how this whole thing is impacting us, being honest with God about it. And it includes usually this cry saying, God, would you please come and change these things? Would you change our circumstances? Would you help us? Now, for Israel, as we saw, this lament leads them to confession. And this often happens for us as well. I know it happens for me sometimes as I'm crying out to God, and how could you let this happen? I feel like God turns the the attention back on me and says, well, I'm wondering that same thing. How could you let this happen? How could you go down a path? I've been trying to guide you. I've, I've given you directions. I've, I've let you know, you know the, the way to live, and you continually choose other paths. And sometimes it's something that I've done. Sometimes it's something that we have done communally, or like as a people, as a, as a community, as a nation, as a, as a species, you know, that uh, sometimes it's not about what I have done. It's about what others have done that I have participated in. You know, we, uh, this virus that's going on right now, um, you know, it's, not like, it's not like any of us that are watching this right now had anything to do with this virus coming onto the scene. You know, and, and we can do very little to impact the, the broader you know, uh, story of what's going on with it. We can have the, the little things that we can do, you know, wearing a mask and keeping our distance and trying to isolate ourselves and, and making sure we watch for symptoms and don't go around people if we've got any and you know, those kinds of things, getting tested, all that stuff. We can, we can do the limited things that we can do, but the bigger picture things, I mean, sometimes we could just kind of say, well, that's their fault. We can, we can turn it into a scapegoating thing. Well, that's because of them. That's because of those people over there. It's their fault. It's China's fault or it's the president's fault or it's somebody's fault over there. It's, it's surely not my fault. Well, think for a minute about these people that are crying out to God as they've returned home and the land is desolate. It's not the circumstance they were hoping to be in. They're feeling hopeless. This confession that they do is it's not all about them. It's them recognizing we are part of a bigger story. 
Um, you see, how, how did they say it here? Uh, since, so, so no one has, has heard of a God who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, against your ways, you were angry. How then can we be saved? And there might have been some people in that day that were like, well, it wasn't my fault. It was mom and dad's fault. It was grandma and grandpa's fault. They're the ones who didn't obey you, God. Why are you taking this out on me? But instead of having that kind of attitude, they're acknowledging, look, we are, we are part of the same family here. We're part of the same problem. They say all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts, our attempts at doing what's right, they're like, they're like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind. Our sins sweep us away. Which uh, seems especially appropriate, that imagery right now, as uh, uh, we were just in the yard and saying, like, oh, we need to rake just one more time, one last time, all these leaves. And uh, thankfully, there were some windstorms earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago that blew most of them right out of the grass uh, for us. But um, there's that image right there, like our sins have swept us away. We were not the people that you created us to be, God. Instead, we disobeyed, we sinned. And that caused our lives to shrivel, <laughs> caused us to be less than we were, and our sins have swept us away from you. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. And now, they said, you've hidden your face from us. You've given us over to our sins. They're acknowledging we are part of a bigger problem, and we have not been part of the solution like we ought to be. And they're saying to God, we, we acknowledge this. We understand this. As we... As we cry out for you to come and to show up on the scene, we recognize that, oh, that might not be entirely good for me if you were to come close, God, because then my, my sins will all be laid bare. You, you will be right in front. I'll be face to face with you, and I'll have to give an account for how I've lived, and I, I have not made the changes that I ought to make. I have not been living the life you called me to live. I've been a part of this bigger, broader problem You've given us over to our sins. That's, um, that idea there, uh, just sidebar real quick, sometimes people struggle with the idea of God being angry or God uh, giving, like, judging people or that sort of a thing. And oftentimes in Scripture, it's that kind of a phrase that's used, that you have given us over to our sins, that God has just kind of let us suffer the consequences of our decisions. And again, sometimes it's not just my decisions, but it's consequences of broader human decisions that others have made and the consequences get played out and God says look if you're not going to reach out to me if you're not going to trust me I'm going to go ahead and let these consequences play out and they are not pretty the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death you know that's where sin leads that's what it earns for us and we see that played out in the way we relate to each other the ways we relate to the rest of creation even the ways we relate to ourselves and the ways we think of ourselves or um, treat ourselves, the ways we live, like we, we can be killing ourselves slowly. God sometimes will give us over to our sins. Let us suffer those consequences in the hopes that it will lead us to cry out to him and to be restored. Both of these, the, the lament, the confession, these are, uh, these are attempts to... Um, to a restoration, to calling for God, saying, God, we, we need to be restored. We need to be renewed. We're, we're crying out about our circumstances. We're, we're pleading with you for forgiveness and for renewed relationship. We want you to restore us. We want you to renew, uh, renew us. And then they just kind of run out of words. They have nothing left to say. 
there's a, there's a little gap there. Um, in most uh, English Bibles, there's like a literal gap, like a paragraph break and a little, a little block there where there's just, you know, and then a new paragraph starts with this next bit. And uh, many Bible scholars feel like that, that's, that's kind of what happens here. Like they, they get to that place where like, I just don't know anything else to say. And, and maybe you have been there. I know I have. It's like, okay, God, I've cried out to you all I can. I've kind of, I'm, I'm kind of spent, you know. And I've asked you for forgiveness. I've, I remember uh, Psalm 51, the Psalm of Confession that David uh, has given us and is in the middle of our scriptures there. He talks about my sin is always before me. It's like, yes, God, I've, I'm aware. I've confessed. I don't know what else to say. And there's just this silence. And that silence sometimes can be a, a good place to be. It can be uncomfortable. Most of us are not too comfortable with silence. Um, there was one time earlier this year when we were just getting started with this whole streaming online thing and I had paused for an unusually long period of time and I wasn't moving or anything and uh, my wife Stacy told me later she's like I wondered if the, I thought the stream maybe had frozen I thought you know like uh, I thought there was a problem but you were just pausing for a really long time you know, silences can make us uncomfortable and no one likes to sit in a silence of despair, of hopelessness, of, oh God, I've cried out to you and I haven't heard anything back, but I don't have anything left to say. Some of you, I think, are in that place right now. You have cried out to God. You are eager to understand, you know, God, if there's something you want me to learn from this, please, would you help me to learn it? If, there, if you're doing something bigger through these circumstances, please, would you help me to know what that is? Um, God, uh, if there's some sinning to confess, please, would you point it out to me? And, and you've confessed all you know to confess. You're eager for God to restore, to renew, to forgive, to, to transform. And you're just in this waiting, just in this silence. It's in that silence for the people of Israel here in Isaiah chapter 64 that they begin to remember again who God is and who they are in relationship to him. That's where in verse 8 they say, yet, there's a yet. <laughs> yet you, Lord, are our Father. And in numerous places in Scripture, I think it might have been last week when we were looking at Psalm 103 that, uh, that he says in one place that you know, as a father has compassion on his children. And so God cares about us, about you and me. They remember, God, you are our Father. You, you care about us. You wouldn't abandon us. You wouldn't give up on us. You're, you're with us. We don't, we don't feel like you're present right now, but you are here. You are our Father. And many of the, of the prophets use these, this kind of language to talk about God's faithful love, how he'll never give up, how he'll never abandon. They say, you're our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. Reminds me of, uh, was it a couple weeks ago, uh, looking at Romans uh, 8.28, right? That in all things God is at work um, for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. You know, that we can, we can give thanks in all circumstances because God is at work in all circumstances. He says, you're the, you're the potter and we are the clay. Now, I've never been a, a pottery guy. Uh, I've never, you know, done the whole thing where you got the wheel and the clay and you got to get it wet and you spin it and, you know, and it all flings off and you got to start all over. And I've, I've never done that. I've only seen, you know, videos of that done. And I had some friends uh, lived uh, down in Brown County. That's what kind of what they did. They were doing pottery and they thought it was, and it was really cool. Uh, it really was. I've never done that. Our boys are not 
doing that. They can shape some stuff out of Play-Doh, clay kind of thing, you know, that kind of an idea. And, uh, and they're, it's so much fun to see how they get better at art. Uh, those of you who are parents, you, you, know, you see that develop over the years, like, oh, okay, there's just a little head and feet, and, and then like, oh, now they're drawing a body. And uh, oh, now they're drawing part, yeah, we don't draw that part, kind of, you know, that, yeah, let's leave that part off the picture. And uh, you know, their, their artwork gets, gets better, their faces that they draw get better. And, um, and there's this idea that God is shaping us he is molding us. He is, he is helping us to become the people that he wants us to be. And sometimes that, you know, with the potter and clay, uh, sometimes that means like, oh, man, this got messed up bad enough. I need to, I need to reshape this. I need to start over. I need to, I need to kind of smash some things down, and I need to, to get some water in here. I need to, you know, I need to redo some of this. Sometimes you have to just kind of start over with things or, or paint over something. And, and something that was starting to look beautiful gets taken away, and, but then it gets remade to something even more beautiful. Um, some of you are aware, there's a, I just saw on Facebook the other day, a, <laughs> a friend was saying, oh, Christmas decorations are up, and he had taken just kind of a funny picture of his house, and he, all he had for Christmas decorations was like next to his TV, one of those little Charlie Brown Christmas kind of trees with like one single red ornament hanging from it. Uh, but somebody else noticed that there next to it, he had one of those, uh, I can't remember the name for it, that kind of pottery that, uh, it's, uh, is it in Japan, I think? I can't remember which country it is, but where pottery breaks and they, they fix it, but they fix it in a way, what, what's that? Using yeah, using gold. And so um, they fix it in a way that you can see all the breaks, and it highlights the breaks, and it makes it truly beautiful. Um, you can see where all the cracks were from where this thing fell apart, but now it has all been painstakingly been put back together using this gold uh, to kind of put it back together. And, and so it, it highlights it, and it, makes, it takes something broken, and it makes it something beautiful. And sometimes that's what God is doing with us. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is able to use even the hopeless circumstances we find ourselves sitting in. Yeah, what? Wabi-sabi? Wabi-sabi? Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Crystal, Crystal is, uh, is helping me know what that's called. Were you Googling that while I was saying that, or do you just know that? Ah, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Very cool. All right. Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't know the term for that. And, uh, but yeah, but God is bringing beauty even out of brokenness, and he is able to do that for the people of Israel. He's able to do that for us as we remember who he is and who we are in relationship with him. We remember that God is committed to us, like a parent is committed to their kids and never going to give up. That he is a, a potter working the clay, bringing something beautiful, even you know, with imperfections, even with, uh, with brokenness, making something beautiful. I say, you are, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. That God is making us and remaking us and restoring us and renewing us. He is bringing beauty from ashes. He is, he is bringing life from death. It ends saying, oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. We, we belong to you, God. We are your people. We are going to trust you, even in the midst of these horrible circumstances that we were never hoping to find ourselves in. God, we are going to trust you. Our hope is in you that you will show up, 
that you will renew, that you will forgive, and you will help us, that you won't just wash away the guilt and the shame of, of our sin, which that alone is like, whew, thank you, God. You know, the, the, the burden has been lifting, lifted, the weight has been lifted. Uh, that stuff doesn't have to define me. But, but even beyond that, God breaks the power of sin. He sets us free to, to live a new way. It transforms our lives uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit so that we can be part of the solution so that we can be a part of, of transforming those broader systems that we live in. So we can be a part of the bigger story that God is writing uh, for the human race and for all of creation. God is renewing and restoring, and there is hope for us. As we make our way through this Advent season, again, I know some of you are, are just kind of thinking, well, you know, 2020 can't end soon enough. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing 2021 appear on the calendar and at the end of, uh, of, the, of the date there. Um, but you know, there's nothing magical about that date. January 1st is just one day after December 31st. And all of our problems don't just magically disappear because the date we decided to put on a calendar is different than, the, than it was the day before. That... Some people would call that like optimism, right? Like, I'm just hoping things will get better. And I'm sure things will just work out. And, you know, things generally get better. And things, things generally work out. This kind of, just, it's kind of an empty optimism that just says, you know what, I'm just kind of hopeful. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of positive about the future. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about hope. We're talking about hope in a God who hears and responds to people's needs. Hope in a God who... Uh, because of who he is, we know will never give up on us. They're remembering who God is and who they are in relationship to him. They don't have hope because they are good people, the people of Israel, because they're acknowledging. They're just acknowledging, we've messed this thing up. There's none, of, none of us are doing what we're supposed to do here, God. They don't have hope because their circumstances have improved. You know, that's like, they haven't yet. They have hope because of who God is and their relationship to him. They're remembering. One of the verses we did look at last week in Psalm 103, uh, verse 8, we can, if we can put this on the screen, says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. They remember, okay, God, this is who you are. You're compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And that's not just in Psalm 103. That first shows up in scriptures in Exodus 34 as God is revealing himself to Moses. And so I, I think I've got on the screen there, you also see several of these other passages, you know. And, uh, and it's in the notes if you download the notes, if you click that link later. Um, Exodus 34, Psalm 86 is another one of these psalms of lament where they're crying out for God's help. And in the middle of it, they, they remember, oh, but God, you are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. Psalm 145 is more positive overall. Uh, it's like thanking God for the, the work that he's doing. And it remembers midway through, you know, because God, you are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. And just kind of celebrating that. Or the prophet Joel uh, in chapter 2, verse 13 is, is another one of those where the, the people are needing to repent. They're needing to confess. They're needing to admit they have been part of the problem. And he's saying, we've got to change. We've got to, I think he talks there about like rending their garments, you know, like mourning, grieving uh, their participation in a sinful system. And he's saying, we, can, we do this because we know that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Because of who God is, we can come to him. Because of who God is, we have hope that he will draw near, that he will forgive, that he will transform our lives. 
There are several readings. If you got one of those Advent devotional books, and each day this week is a different scripture focused on hope. Um, Prophet Zechariah is tomorrow, all the way down to, I think, 1 Peter appears maybe at the end of the week. And, uh, and I went ahead and included one of those verses, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the verse that our church takes its name from. We have this living hope that we are, are, are invited into through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is where we get our hope as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We have seen God be faithful. Now, now we're, we're an advantage here. We're much later. We know that God did restore and did renew the people of Israel, and, and they were able to kind of come back from their exile to the point where, where Jesus shows up on the scene, where God gives the gift of his son Jesus. And God longs to renew and longs to restore, and, and not everyone recognizes who Jesus is. Like the line from the song that we sang earlier from Joy to the World, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room. And there were people in Jesus' day that did not have room in their hearts for Jesus, didn't have room for him to be king. And so they rejected him. We have an opportunity to accept him, to allow him to be king. Because they rejected him, Jesus went all the way to the cross out of love for us. And there we saw again God bringing life out of death, beauty from ashes. God bringing life for the world through our worst possible sin, putting to death his son, Jesus Christ. But because God conquered sin and death in him, now we all have hope. That on the other side of even the worst circumstances, if we are trusting God, God is, is our father God is our, our potter. We are the clay. We are his people. We belong to him because of Jesus Christ. So he will carry us through. He will bring us, uh, he will give us life. So just a, a couple of questions, actually four questions here for reflection um, or discussion. And uh, these are actually in your devotional book. You'll see that. I'm, I'm taking these straight from there. As you begin this Advent season, what are the places in your life that feel or seem hopeless? You know, are there circumstances like that that right now you need to just be honest about and quit pretending that everything's fine? Are there circumstances? What are the places in your life, in your life that feel or seem hopeless? Uh, question two, what would you like God to do? What would it look like for God to tear open the heavens and come down into your situation? How have you seen God at work in the past? Or where has God been faithful to you? It can be helpful to, to remember those times, to recall those, to share those conversations, share those stories. And number four, again, hope is different than optimism. Hope is confidence in God, not just the expectation that things will simply work out. What aspects of the character of God give you hope? We all need hope today. So let's look to God, the source of our hope. Let's anchor that hope in him and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. All right, I've asked... Um, Pastor Judy, to, uh, before we pray, before we celebrate, sing and celebrate communion, I, I've asked her to come and to, uh, to lead us in the lighting of our first Advent candle. There's a little reading to go along with that. This first week of Advent is a celebration of hope. God's people are neither optimistic nor pessimistic about the future. We are prisoners of hope. God's people do not put their hope in possessions, in rulers, or in systems and structures. Our hope is in the Lord. God's people learn to be patient in suffering because they know that suffering produces endurance and that endurance produces character. And character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Give thanks to God always because of the grace that has been given to us 
Christ Jesus. Through him we have become rich in hope. We are not missing any spiritual gift while we wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Our hope is in the Lord. Let earth receive her king. Thank you, Pastor Judy. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, our hope is in you today. We are not simply uh, optimistic that things will work out. Uh, in fact, some of us are feeling downright pessimistic about, uh, about how things are going. And we don't have much hope for our, our circumstances, for our situation, for our lives. God, today we pray that you would give us hope. That you would help us, just like the people of Israel, in their hopeless situation. That you would help us to, uh, to be honest with you, to lament. That you would help us to, to confess to you uh, the problems that we have, the ways that we have been part of the problem, the ways that we have contributed to our circumstances. And then God, as we run into that silence, having nothing more to say, God, we thank you that you are present there, that you meet us there, that you remind us that you love us like a father loves his kids. You remind us that you are at work shaping us, making us into something beautiful. Thank you, God. Please, would you remind us of your faithful love, of your compassion, of your grace. Today, God, we need to experience that. In just a moment, we're going to sing, we're going to celebrate communion. And, and so, God, today we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, God. We lift our hearts up to you. We give you thanks and praise for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ, for the hope that is found in him. We admit to you today our failings, our faults, our fears. God, we, we just are honest with all of it, honest with you about all of it today. And we thank you that you are able and willing and eager to forgive, to heal, to strengthen, to guide, to provide hope and peace and joy and love. We need these, this Advent season, God. We need to have our confidence in you renewed. So please today, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your transforming love, would you help us to have a new experience of your grace today, God, so that we can have the, the hope, the confidence, the strength to keep moving forward each and every day? God, I was just reminded this morning of, uh, of some of the circumstances uh, that people face. We've got folks in our church community who are, uh, who are facing illness or they have loved ones who are in the hospital and uh, things do not look hopeful. God, our hope is in you. We know that you are the one who can bring healing and you are the one who ultimately can bring that healing. As we come face to face with you one day, we look forward to you conquering death for everyone, of all of us getting to join with you, join with Jesus Christ in that resurrection. God, we've got some of us in our church that are on the other side of that who are providing care to those who are sick in the hospital. And God, you know they need strength. So would you give them the strength that they need? to keep walking into those difficult circumstances. 
with all of the stress, all of the work, all of the, uh, just the ugliness that they have to face as they care for us in our, in our weakest, neediest moments. God, would you provide grace for our healthcare workers today? God, we pray for all of those who are having to make decisions, guiding companies and school districts and, and organizations and, and groups and even just families, God. All of those who are having to make decisions, and God, we need wisdom from you today. We come to you for that, and we pray that you would provide it. All of us, God, we need rest. We need times where we get to rest and be renewed and restored. And so, God, we trust that you are... Uh, well, to use that other image from the Bible, that you are our shepherd and that you will lead us through those dark valleys and to the other side where we get to rest by the still waters, where we get to rest in, in those quiet fields. God, would you help our evenings? Uh, would you help our times, our days off? Would you help those to be true times of rest, being restored and refreshed by you? Today, God, I guess... To sum it all up, we are coming to you as a needy people and we offer ourselves to you and we are grateful to you for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ, for your faithful love down through the generations that you have displayed as people have cried out to you. No one has ever heard of a God or seen a God like you who responds to his people. So we're eager to see the ways you're going to respond to our prayers today. We pray all this confident in your love because you've shown it to us in Jesus. It's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed to those who would take his life, he sat down with his disciples and he celebrated this Passover meal, celebrating God's uh, rescue of his people, God's faithful love as he rescued them from slavery uh, to Egypt. And he reimagined it as, a, as a, an event, as a sacrament that reminds us of his rescuing us from slavery to sin. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After supper, he took the cup gave thanks, gave it to them and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. It's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you again, God for the faithful love you have shown us down through the ages and most clearly in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving all of yourself to us in him. Thank you that today you are present with us right where we live in the midst of, of sometimes hopeless situations, 
by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. God, draw us to yourself. Fill our hearts with your hope. Help us to trust in you and to continue to follow you, to continue to cry out to you because you are our Father who loves us. You are the potter who is shaping us and can use even hopeless situations to bring out beauty in our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, so that we can be part of your grand project of restoration, of renewal, of getting your grace to every human being on the planet. Work through us today, this week, as we trust in you. Let us live as as your kids here in the world, as your hands and feet. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today.